Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Johnny Robinson for enshrinement into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Bob Thompson. It's Tuesday, August 6th, and today Sports BKC takes you to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, where former Chiefs Tony Gonzalez and Johnny Robinson were inducted last weekend. Columnist Vahe Gregorian covered the event and joined Sam Mellinger and me, Blair Kirkhoff, in studio to discuss these former greats. You'll also hear from Gonzalez and Robinson about their days as Kansas City Chiefs. I'm here with the columnists, Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. Hello, guys. What's up? How are you doing? Hi, Blair. Hi, Sammy. What's up? Good to see you guys. Really is. We haven't been together in a couple weeks. Wonder why that is. <laughs> well, we could have been together yesterday at training camp. Just saying, <laughs> two of us were there. <laughs> True, but we weren't a threesome there because Vahe was working his way back from the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Canton, Ohio. We were going to talk about that today because it was the rare moment when the Kansas City Chiefs were in the spotlight. You, you don't get that. Every, every you know every year uh, you um, I was thinking about that that will Shields was the last chief to be inducted and, and before him I, I, can't, I, I guess I can't remember but but it's, it seems like it's every several years you get one of your teams teams that you cover involved in this well think about it this way too so I think it's the stat the Hall of Fame uses now is 13 longtime Hall of famers from the chiefs 13 longtime chiefs in the Hall of Fame right that accounts for guys who are maybe here just a little bit, et cetera. And if I'm doing the math right, 10 of those are from the Super Bowl era. And the other three are Will Shields, uh, Derek Thomas, and- Tony G. And well, and Tony G. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have that right? Willie Rofe? Was here for a handful of years, right? uh, I don't know what the cutoff would be. Yeah, Yeah, does Willie Rofe count? I think he doesn't in that measure. Because you can only count for one team. As a longtime member of one team, I guess yeah. I it's exactly equal. For, I want to say four years. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of the remarkable thing, and I think doubles down on your point that, that how rare it is, A, and B, first time ever, two Chiefs, longtime Chiefs going in in the same year. And it's all, it's all these different things at once, sort of remnants of that golden era and how long it's been since. And... and um, Make it for a special moment, though, for, for Chiefs fans, if they wanted to embrace it, because some weren't embracing Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, we talked about that uh, on a previous podcast, and I, I'm eager to get your uh, observations about that, because I watched the the Tony Gonzalez speech on late Saturday night, and he, he seemed to get a nice reaction from Chiefs fans who were there, the Especially when he did, and we'll hear it here in a minute when he when he um, gives him the home of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the those who were left in attendance seemed to participate <laughs> in, in in that. Well, that and that, of course, was uh, the 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 twist in the point you're making was there were it was I swear between dozens and maybe a few hundred left, and it was a full stadium when it started. But this is what you run into four and a half hours in the heat. I mean, ten minutes into it. Uh, up on the stage, a couple of the gold jacketers were taking off their gold jackets. I mean, it was it was oh, pretty man. warm, and so it's a lot to ask. I don't know exactly what you know. I suppose you could limit you could limit the time a little bit and just say you know it's it's you're done. 
the day after uh, David Baker, the Hall of Fame president, made a pretty funny crack about uh, Ed Reed. Ed Reed, I think, may have been the longest. And he said that he's, he's not saying Ed went on too long, but the fact that Ed was thanking his barber <laughs> and that if you take off his hat, it doesn't look like he really has a barber, um, seemed to be a bit much. <laughs> It was a good statue, though. I like the um, oh that the, the likeness. Yeah, the all time bust. And what there. a guy! I mean, he. We can talk about that later. But but he is he stole the show and um, smart, thoughtful, funny, uh, whimsical, all these things at once, and and powerful presence. Okay, so we're going to hear a little Tony Gonzalez. We'll hear from Johnny Robinson later, but let's let's hear a little bit from Tony Gonzalez when he took the stage or after taking the stage, and he he was about I don't know few minutes in when he we got his childhood interesting story about being bullied uh, as a child uh, and and then we heard about his years at Cal and then it goes into his time with the Kansas City Chiefs let's let's hear a little little bit of Tony Gonzalez from his acceptance speech talking about his tenure with the Chiefs from Berkeley to the Kansas City Chiefs Thirteenth pick overall. I want to thank Lamar Hunt, Norma Hunt, and Clark Hunt now uh, for taking a chance on me. I really appreciate you guys. I want to thank Carl Peterson, general manager, for trading up. He was the 18th pick that year. They traded up to number 13. Thank you for taking that chance on me. And I know we had our battles during contract negotiations, but we always got it done. And thank you for for paying me. I appreciate it. Well, I thought that was pretty nice of Tony to to thank the guy who's paying him. Uh, it was nice. <laughs> Bags of cash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and uh, Vahe, you were there, so you weren't, maybe you did see it on the, on the screen or something, but they, a nice photo of uh, the cameras caught the Clark and, and, the, and the Hunt family there. Yeah. And also Carl Peterson w- was there. Who, who was sitting near each, well, with it, each other? Well, it was interesting because what I was uh, embedded a little bit with Johnny Robinson's family early. And just before... Uh, I had a whole third row to myself, and just before the Johnny's time started up, in comes uh, security to move move everybody down for 12 people coming in, and that was the Hunt entourage. Uh, and then they, they went back to their uh, green room or whatever for a while, and I guess came back out for for Tony. Which again, I it 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 seemed a little bit much of of the pampering, and yet, well, it was pretty hot night and pretty long. So if you could get a get to a better place, maybe that was the thing to do. And to your point, though, um, I, I thought Tony was uh, acknowledging the right people with a little twist and, and sense of humor, right? But so Vermeil and uh, and I assume they were still there by the end. But Dick Vermeil and Carl Peterson were sitting next to each other with Mike White, one row behind me, close enough that I could hear Dick say, wow, when uh, they were noting that um, Johnny was the, the sixth member of that Chiefs defense to be in the Hall of Fame. Trent Green was there, a number of other people I sort of saw. I did see uh, Curtis Townsend and Billy Kennedy. They were a little bit at a, at a distance. I didn't know the context of their reason for being there until Tony mentioned it. Yeah, basketball coaches at California when, when Tony Gonzalez played. Curtis Townsend, of course, the longtime assistant coach at Kansas under Bill Self. Offensive coordinators. Uh, want to highlight a couple of them. Jimmy Ray. Jimmy Ray, going into my third year, he became the offensive coordinator. And... He fed me the ball, and I appreciate you, Jimmy, for using me in ways that I never knew I could be used, moving me all over the field. Thank you for that innovation and creativeness. Al Saunders, who's here too, thank you for looking for ways to get me the ball 
I know we uh, butted heads every once in a while, but I really appreciate you. To the head coaches while I was there, when I first got there, it was Marty Schottenheimer, the late, well, you know, he's still alive, I'm sorry. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Still the words echo in my ears. This is a performance-driven businessman. If you don't perform, you won't be in business too long. And that always stuck with me. The late Gunther Cunningham, uh, who always wore yellow glasses, he said he, it made him mean. I don't, know, I don't know if that's true or not, but I love playing for Gunther. I want to thank Herman Edwards. Really appreciate you. Best thing about Coach Edwards I loved, he said, I'm going to treat you like a man. And he did, and I appreciate you. And especially, you know, sometimes coaching transcends just coaching. It becomes a friendship. It's more than just being there in the locker room or him sitting up and talking to you. And I think the epitome of someone like that is, is Coach Vermeil, Coach Dick Vermeil, who's here. I will give him a pass for the Marty Schottenheimer uh, gaffe. You know, what I, what I think happened there is he, he, when I went out to visit him in Beverly Hills, he was sort of proud to say he wasn't going to write down a speech. And he was going to mm -hmm. have sort of talking points and know what he was going to say. And I think in that case, he, he's, he just got ahead of himself with Gunther. And, uh, and that, was, that was too bad. I mean, it, but it was brief blip, right? It, it and, was. And, 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 he, and, he, and he quickly yes. corrected himself. And you're right. And, and Gunther was right on the other side of that. Yeah. And so, look, that's, that, that's fine. Um, what, what I found interesting, and we'll hear in a moment, is uh, the, the quarterbacks that uh, the Tony thanked, and it does not harken back to the uh, some of the better days of Chiefs football. It's a little bit of a humble brag going through those quarterbacks, being like, <laughs> and I still am standing here today. Nonetheless, uh, let, let's hear let's hear what Tony had to say about that. I want to go through my quarterbacks while I was there in Kansas City. Every quarterback that ever threw me a football, I just want to say, I appreciate you, Elvis Gerback, Rich Gannon. Warren Moon, Brody Coyle, Tyler Thigpen, Damon Heward, and a guy that I played five years with, and we did some damage, Trent Green. Thank you. Now, uh, first of all, what a nice gesture for, for Tony Gonzalez to acknowledge all the quarterbacks, and, and he did have some great uh, seasons with Trent Green, for sure. But... When we talk about the Tony Gonzalez tenure in Kansas City and how unsuccessful it was as a team, uh, three playoff seasons in 12 and, and no playoff wins, part of the reason is the list that he just <laughs> read. Um, that was, um, those were some lean years for the Chiefs. Yeah, there's a reason he had all those head coaches too. <laughs> yeah, and offensive <laughs> and, coordinators. And coordinators and, um, yeah, that, that was just, it was such a for, for people listening and, and most of you guys probably remember those years. I mean, he was a shining star surrounded by muck a lot of times. I mean, Damon Heward and Tyler Thigpen dropping back to find a first ballot, no doubt, Hall of Fame tight end. It's just, it, it, it is so incongruous. I know we talked about this on a previous podcast, but I think it bears mention here, too. I mean, there's some combination of that that led to him wanting the trade, right? It, a, a franchise in futility. They go six and twenty-six mm -hmm. his last two years. He was already looking for the trade by the end of that, mm -hmm. or the middle of that second to last that last season. Sam, I think you can speak to this better than I can, and I think Blair can too. 
how angry were people here then and how much did it just get rekindled with his you know Ill, ill-considered comments in Atlanta about his career being made there was there a, a simmering baseline that, that still existed because he wanted to leave here? Yeah, I, I think that there was a different context with Tony because he was seen by a lot of people as a Hollywood guy, as, you know, sort of a star, not not just a football star, but a star. You know what I mean? And and then... Didn't live here in the off seasons. Yeah. Right? Things like that. And I think he had a reality show or something. Like There was just a lot going on. And and people here didn't feel like he was of Kansas City, I guess. Uh, and we could get into a whole new podcast about all that. But um, I, to me, like when he asked for a trade, it was mostly like, oh, well, screw you anyway if you don't want to be here. But there were some people, and this may be projecting because this is how I felt, where it was like, yeah, the Chiefs aren't good enough for him right now. And, you know, and, and, and maybe that was part of it too. Like you're abandoning, like, we know the team is terrible and you're the one thing we have and now you're abandoning us. You know what I mean? But he made the right decision. It didn't work out the way that, that he hoped or planned or expected in Atlanta. Um, you know, he did win the one playoff game, I think, right? But one made playoff it. Game. Got, to, got to the NFC Championship yeah. game yeah. the year that Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers got to the Super Bowl. Made it three out of four or four out of five four years. Out of five, four out of five in, in Atlanta. Um, you know, so he missed the Matt Castle years. The, the Todd Haley, Scott Pioli clash. Like, he wasn't around for that. So, right decision. And, and, you know, that's interesting you said that because one of the things I talked to him about when I was in Beverly Hills to see him was that he, he, he knew he wouldn't have gotten along with those guys. Yeah. That, that wouldn't have fit. The other thing I found interesting, we talked about it with him a little bit on Friday. He, he says it's, it's almost a dumb question to ask whether he'd rather be in the Hall of Fame or, or have won a Super Bowl. It's just hands down, it's the Hall of Fame. Only 326 players or total people are in. And um, it got me thinking about, well, isn't that interesting? Because had he not been reaching for the brass ring of the Super Bowl, Maybe he just stays here and fans don't, you know, have this resentment of him. And he's in the Hall of Fame and it's a little more harmonious here. I mean, it's a little funny to me to try to figure out the gauge of this, by the way, about the whatever resentment there is of him. I can't tell how much is just the Twitter sphere, how much is just sort of tepid enthusiasm. But most of the feedback antenna I have tells me that, that people here were fairly eh about him yeah. overall. I mean, overall, I'm sure there are many people excited, but. There was a lot of anger and a lot of disappointment flying around for everybody in those years. And I think, you know, when, when you're the biggest star, when you're the best player, you're gonna take an outsized proportion of that, right? And, and so that was also on the heels. I know it had been, what, six years, seven years or whatever, but you know, th- that those Vermeil teams, specifically the one, the 2003 team, that led the league in scoring, I'm pretty sure. The, phenomenal offensively. Yeah, lost the no-punt game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that team. And, and if you get past that, that was the year the, the Colts made the, the the Super Bowl. If you get past that, a home playoff game, you know, maybe you're you're the team that goes. And, and there was some residual, you know, pent-up disappointment from that, from missing that opportunity. And now the biggest star, the best player that you've had in a really long time is is wanting out because the team's not good enough and it's some it, even the people that were the most angry at that most angry at that Tony for that had to know that he was 
leaving a bad team, you know, which only fueled the disappointment, which made it even worse. Right. Yeah. And he talked about his first game back at Arrowhead, right? Didn't he? Yeah, he did. So let's let's hear what he had to say about that. To the fans, the fans of Kansas City. Are you in the house, Kansas City Chief fans? You know what? I'll never forget when I first got to Kansas City. They were singing the Star Spangled Banner, and you guys know I'm going with this. At the end of the song, I didn't know what was coming. And they let me, let me know if you know this one. It comes to the end of it, and it says, and the home of the... There it is. And then you'd see the flyover. Nothing else like playing at Arrowhead Stadium. It brings me, after I had gotten traded to Atlanta, I came back to Kansas City to play a football game. I was on the other side of the ball. I wasn't sure how the, ch- the fans were going to treat me. And so I was worried about it all, all week long. And then during the pregame, they introduced me, which I thought was very special. And then something happened that was one of the greatest moments of my career. The Chief fans started yelling at the top of their lungs. And I remember I looked over and a teammate of mine, Sam Baker, he looks at me and he goes, wow, that is really special. And so you Kansas City Chief fans know how much I appreciate, appreciated you and how much I cherished the relationships before the game, after game, coming out to the parking lot, giving cookies, giving burritos, words of encouragement. I love you guys. Thank you. Never got a burrito. Did you ever get a burrito in the parking lot? I mean, no, I was never a Hall of Fame tight end either. But I, I do like when he says, "Let me know if you know this one." Like he just—he's playing the crowd. That he's was that play, was a yeah, veteran he's playing move. the crowd. That was a veteran. Move. Um, by the way, it's funny. I, I I when I heard him tell that story that night, I remember thinking, "Okay, I get the context," but he it, it was a little vague. Like they yelled really loud. I couldn't tell what they were yelling they were yelling you know we love you they were yelling we hate you i you know they're well, passionate i i assumed it was something favorable but i couldn't quite reel that in that game i remember that week and there were a lot of mixed emotions tony gonzalez scored a touchdown in that game and he dunked on the goalpost which, which is he always, always remember him as for that for his end zone celebration and that rubbed people the wrong way that and and maybe there were already some sort of insecurities or you know people on the fence or whatever but i i just remember when that happened it was just sort of oh my god like that was disrespectful that was even though know, it was already long his signature a middle finger to us yeah like, to like, do it like on, on, on just our field not done it here yeah 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 something like it, it was I, I do remember that moment and that probably again fed in it's, it's just all this to me it's like really petty um i, I just he was a great player and the team underserved him. And, you know, he can get in a long line, by the way, of, of players <laughs> <laughs> with the Chiefs <laughs> well, who, have been, who have given more than they've gotten. <laughs> but um, I, I just find it hard to fault him for, for wanting out. And maybe this is the last thing I need to say about this part. But, but the thing also that, you know, inflamed or whatever you want to call it was that, that after the Hall of Fame announcement, right? I've tried to make this point over and over. He did say something. I think it was specifically to WSB in Atlanta. And it was, you know, Atlanta made my career. It was a little bit overstated, I think. Bad choice of words, whatever. But Brooke Pryor, our, our reporter, was there that day and got video of him gushing over Kansas City and how meaningful it was to him. He said plenty of things all along. 
but the way people have perceived it is like he just said that that day and he's had to walk it back ever since yeah i mean i think he has sort of thought about ways to walk it back since because i think he realized it was a bad choice of words but the fact is it really is is just people having selective hearing about what's offending them yeah this is an analogy that i haven't thought of until just now so it might not work i haven't thought this through yet (laughs) but Part of, part of, I think, the way that that hit people was, again, it was confirming some things that they had suspected that, that he didn't appreciate Kansas City, but also that he wanted things both ways. That if I'm talking to you and you're from Atlanta, Atlanta was the best. I loved it there. I right. couldn't imagine anything better. Right. If I'm talking to you and you're from Kansas City, Kansas City was the best. I grew into a man there. Like, right. you know, what could right. be better? And, and it was sort of like, well, what's sincere? Right. I think people had that question. It's a little bit, and this is the analogy that I can't, this may or may not work, um, but when Roy Williams left, there were a lot of Kansas fans that felt like he was trying to have it both ways of saying, I love Kansas, um, you know, this is part of my heart now or whatever, but North Carolina, I love North Carolina and that's Dean Smith and all that stuff. And I remember, I forgot what year it was, Blair, you can hit me on this, but that Roy, I think they, he, they made the final four and lost in the semifinal. And then he sat there no with way. a championship year. That, the yeah, final four. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And sat there with a Jayhawk on his, um, was a sticker or a pin or whatever. An oversized Jayhawk. It was a big Jayhawk. Jayhawk. <laughs> it was a big old Jayhawk. <laughs> and I think there was like some, just sort of like some fans looking at, you know, what's he doing? Like he's trying to make everybody happy and that means nobody's going to be happy. I think there was some of that with Tony Gonzalez in that moment of, you know, yeah. Atlanta was the best, Kansas City was the best. I think it's a great analogy actually. And and it's funny because if he just said it directly, I love both places. Yeah. Which is probably exactly true. Sure. Yeah, and I'm love sure different things about he, him. What he meant. But he, <laughs> he, you know, maybe overcompensated to one and, and trying and to make I, people happy. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, that uh, I think, first of all, I think it's a fantastic analogy with, with Roy Williams. And uh, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Johnny Robinson, the other former chief that went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, before we do, we're going to tell you about this new subscription offer. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Johnny Robinson, of course, the other chief that went into the uh, Hall of Fame on over the weekend, covered by Vahe Gregorian. It's funny, Vahe, that Tony, Tony Gonzalez is the chief that 
we all remember difficult to conjure memories of Johnny Robinson unless you're looking at, at film, YouTube or whatever. And yet he seemed to be the more beloved of the two chiefs that went into the Hall of Fame this weekend. That is, it is interesting, isn't it? Because if, if you're trying to understand the rationale on that, obviously it would only be older fans that saw Johnny play, right? And, and yet it seemed to be a more universal embrace. Um, I think there's some reasons for that. The contrast is kind of apparent. Original Chief played on the last Super Bowl team. And I got thinking about this. One of the ways he sort of spanned the golden era was his severe groin injury that had him in the hospital for five days came in the infamous Miami double overtime loss in 71. That was it. That was sort of the end of that era. Um, for sure. And so sort of punctuated by that. And and I think also there's a, a purity to Johnny's story that, that I, I mean, I've certainly found touching. I think a lot of people have. I mean, that he really did. You know, a lot of people talk about using their platform or, you know, he used his platform to a point with the boys home that actually a lot of people down there didn't even know he was a pro football player after a while. Right. I mean, it was that that was his identity. So pretty cool that way. Pretty easy to get behind. Um, and I think maybe that's it. But it's a really interesting point you make about it being that far in the distant past. And yet that one being the one that stirred people, it seemed. I was blessed to play with a great franchise and with great players during my career. Kansas City owner Lamar Hunt and head coach Hank Stram were wonderful, very supportive, and they both showed great faith in me. I wouldn't have wanted to play with any other team but the Kansas City Chiefs. That was where I wanted to be. Don't you guys think part of the feeling that maybe we have for Johnny Robinson is an appreciation of his career, but who all he played with. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 100%. And, and what those teams were about. And, uh, and, and we can talk about how, you know, football starved or championship starved this, you know, this organization in this city is. He, he played in, in, in the greatest four-year stretch or whatever, however long, you know, if you count the, go back even a little further, the greatest stretch of football in Chiefs history with the players that Vahe mentioned earlier, was it 10 you know, life, you know, 10 longtime Chiefs Hall of Famers all were part of that Super Bowl. Including Lamar Hunt and, and Hank, Hank Stram, Stram when I say right. that, yeah. But, um, but, but Johnny Robinson is um, sort of a, kind of a final piece to that puzzle that not puzzle, but the final piece of the player needed to be honored from that uh, 69 Chiefs team. It, it sure did feel to me, um, just watching on TV, um, which is obviously not close to Vahe's experience, but, and I do want to ask you a, a Canton question after this, by the way, but that <laughs> as much as the, the Tony Gonzalez, it's not just about the player sometimes, you know, it's about like what they represented and the time they represented. And Tony Gonzalez's time with the Chiefs was ultimately really, really disappointing. Just the whole thing. Yeah. Really, really disappointing those years. Johnny Robinson, even people that may not have even heard of Johnny Robinson two years ago, they remember that team or they know they've seen the flags and they know, like you said, about Hank Stram and matriculating the ball, like all, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And it becomes a celebration of, you know what? We were great, you know, like back in the day, like that, that, that's the history that, you know, that the organization tries to hammer. So that's, that to me is as much, and look, it's, 
in some ways a shame. That's probably not the right word because there is so much about Johnny Robinson as, as you've written repeatedly and beautifully about Vahe. So much to celebrate about him, not just his football, but he also became this representative of, you know, arguably the best defense in NFL history. Yeah, and that is something we're, we're going to take a little closer look at. Um, there's some interesting stats. I mean, it only the Green Bay Packers of the 60s have six Hall of Famers on defense to match the Chiefs now. But that team, and, and you have to get the wording exactly right, I believe is the only defensive team to lead its league, in this case the AFL still, in all four uh, major defensive categories through the season. And the stat I really like is it gave up 20 points in the entire postseason, three games, which is as many as the Chiefs uh, last season gave up after the third quarter in New England. <laughs> so, and, and, and the last two teams they play were the two highest scoring teams in the NFL. So there's more to explore there. But, yeah. but to your point, I think, I think there's a good argument to be made. And, and, and you're right. It, it, it's, a, it's a totally legitimate hearkening back to the past, right? I mean, it's a reason to look back at that past that, it, you wouldn't have to otherwise, mm-hmm. except for media people inventing 50-year anniversary things <laughs> like I'm about to. <laughs> uh, and as you mentioned, Vahe, there's there's just another element to Johnny Robinson's life uh, that further endears him to uh, the, certainly the people of his community. And let's let, let's hear let's hear Johnny talk about Boys Home. I used to wonder why I had not been inducted into the Hall of Fame all these years since I was first eligible, but I came to realize that God was in control of my life, and I believe that God wanted me to start my boys home. In 1980, I answered a call on my life and founded the Johnny Robinson Boys Home in Monroe, Louisiana. It is a place where boys can make positive life changes and get a fresh start on life. You will still find me there most every day. How about that? Yeah, and and he identified one of the things that's really striking about that. You know, a lot of athletes or celebrities might lend their name to something, but this isn't him lending his name to something. This is, you know, in his in his soul, in his bones, and he, he goes every day. And, and just if people don't know about this, um, the boys' home, I mean, they have typically still 30, 30 boys there at a time. They're all adjudicated. They're all, they all come through the system. It's not, it's not sort of a prison atmosphere, but it's, but it's not, um, you know, the Lazy K Ranch. I mean, it's, it's, they have requirements and they're disciplined. And it's essentially become sort of a family ministry in, 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 a, in a way because Johnny's stepson, Bob, Bob's wife, Cindy, and Johnny's wife, Wanda, are the, the four focal figures that, that are running it. I didn't know about that until you reported it uh, a year or so ago. And let's, let's revisit that for a second. When, when did you first get in touch with Johnny about, about his background and, and his life? And at the time, you know, still on the outside of the Hall of Fame. Well, it really started, Blair, with a, a, a guy named Todd Tobias, um, who is a sort of AFL historian in, uh, in the San Diego area. That's sort of more of his hobby. Um, he wrote his, ma- his master's, uh, or either doctorate or master's thesis on Sid Gilman, and you know, the great, the great offensive, offensive mind. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he had somehow struck up a little bit of a relationship with Johnny's stepson, and 
Todd got looking at the, the hard numbers with Johnny and, and trying to, you know, work through the bafflement over how he hadn't gotten in as a six-time finalist in the 80s. And at some point, um, he reached out to, to various media. Uh, I don't know who else, but we got an email. And I, I, I hadn't really known. I'd heard about the boys' home, but I didn't really know about it. And I sort of thought, couldn't the boys' home be a way to get into this whole thing? And obviously, the statistics stand for themselves. The achievements stand for themselves. The knack for coming through in big games speaks for itself. But wasn't there something worth exploring there? And so I went down and, and yeah, we made a trip down to, uh, I want to keep wanting to say Monroe, but it's Monroe, <laughs> <laughs> to Monroe, Louisiana, and uh, spent a day with them. And they were just so gracious and opened up their home and wanted me to experience the whole experience. So. It, it, it certainly moved me and, and interested me and and I, I did feel like it was it was a, a real void not necessarily in his life but a void in the Hall of Fame well I think um, it's not a coincidence that uh, that a year later Johnny Robinson was elected to the Hall of Fame I think that story helped move the chains on on this process and created an awareness that may have just been dormant Know, for for a while, for too long, really. Well, I'd like to think it helped, but I do think the thing that really was the difference maker was Todd Tobias, because I think this stuff got um, into the bloodstream of, of longtime the Veterans Committee or whatever it's actually specifically called in the NFL. And um, and Todd uh, had never, what's interesting is Todd had never met Johnny till uh, the Gold Jacket dinner Friday. Wow. Um, they'd had some exchanges, so... Todd brought his uh, wife, Kim, from San Diego. She was a delight. I got to sit next to them and Johnny's brother at the dinner, and um, she's a sixth grade teacher. I, I was very struck by them as a couple and their kindness, and, and uh, it was nice to see Todd. I think Johnny uh, um, referred to Todd and, and people he thanked. Well, it was great coverage all around, Vahe, from, from Canton. I, I really enjoyed the, the, the stories on, on Tony Gonzalez and, and Johnny Robinson and that'll do it for us today. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Vahe. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Links to the stories about Tony Gonzalez and Johnny Robinson can be found in the show notes on kansascity.com, facebook.com slash Extra, and the Red Zone Extra app. Thanks to Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra for producing today's show. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, help us out by rating and reviewing Sports BKC. We'd love to hear from you, and your review could help us reach more listeners. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back Wednesday with another show talking sports in Kansas City. Such a ball hog. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All good, man. All good.